Okay, so we are on Tzadihei today in Pesachim. Uh, it is the uh, the very uh, top of the uh, Amud, the very beginning of the new Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah says, Ma bin Pesach Rishon So that's a very important question. Everybody wonders, everybody asks. I think it's a common question to wonder. What is the exact difference between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni? In other words, a person misses Pesach Rishon, so they have to bring Pesach Sheni. So what are the different halachot that pertain to Pesach Sheni that distinguish it from Pesach Rishon? So first of all, Rishon, we know that, you know, for first Pesach, you're already, you have to rid your house of chametz. You're not allowed to own chametz or have chametz uh, on you uh, when you have Pesach Rishon. Vasheni, chametz umatzah imo babayit. Whereas on the second Pesach, you can have chametz in the house. It's just that you, you don't eat chametz with the Korban Pesach, but you uh, you eat matzah with the Korban Pesach, sheni. But you don't have any prohibition on owning chametz when you have the Pesach sheni. It's in the middle of Iyar. There's no reason to have that. Harishon ta'un alel bachilato. The first Pesach, you say Halil when you eat it. Now, that doesn't mean literally while you're eating, because, of course, you're not supposed to talk while you eat and certainly not sing Halil when you eat. But what it means is that you are that you say Halil at the meal, the Seder, right? You say Halil at the Seder, right? However, Vasheni eno ta'un Halil bachilato. You don't say Halil on Pesach Sheni. There is no Halil on Pesach Sheni. We know that. It's not one of the days that we say Halil. And even when you're eating the Korban Pesach of the Pesach Sheni, you don't say Halil at the table. You don't have a Seder. In other words, there's no Seder of, uh, of Pesach Sheni. You just eat the Korban and that's the Mitzvah. So there's no Halil there. However, when you perform the Korban, you do say Halil. In other words, the, the Avodah of the Korban is the same. That's the concept. That the, the service of the Korban, the offering of the Korban Rishon Sheni is really the same. The only difference is in the, in the you know, all the other mitzvot surrounding it. And other similarities are that they are both roasted. They're eaten with matzah and maror. That's true even for Pesach Sheni. Even though there is no prohibition of chametz, you eat matzah and maror with the Korban Pesach Sheni because it's part of the mitzvah of eating Korban Pesach. And Shabbat. And if it happens to be that the, the, the day of the 14th of Iyar falls out on Shabbat, so we bring the Korban Pesach Sheni even on Shabbat. It's Dochet Shabbat. Tosfot quotes here from a Tosefta that also says that even the idea that you have, that, that, that the, uh, another dif- difference, right? Arishon Nishchad Begimel Kitot. Kitot. That you don't have to, uh, that you don't have to have the three groups. We learned that you know Pesach Rishon is you know is is offered in the three groups. There's three shifts. It's not necessarily true for uh, Pesach Sheni and so on. That's a discussion actually in the Rishonim whether that Tosefta is is we accept that or not. But anyway, the um, the main point is that anything related to the Korban itself pretty much is the same as the Pesach Sheni and Pesach Rishon. Anything that is external to the Korban itself. Is not included, okay? That's the basic rule of thumb. But we'll see how the details work out. Tanu Abanan, the rabbis taught as follows in the uh, in the uh, in the Tosefta. It says when you make Pesach Sheni, it's like all of the laws of the Pesach Yasuoto. What does that mean? That means Yasu that the mitzvah means you do it, meaning anything related to it, to the Korban itself, okay? Mitzvah al gufo. Minayin. So al gufo means things that go along with the body of the Pesach, right? So there's three kinds of mitzvot that you could have in the Korban Pesach. One is you could have a mitzvah which is in the body of the Pesach itself. In other words, the Pesach, how it is prepared and, um, and, uh, and so on. So Rashi explains, he says, Lo riba 
השני, את השני לדין ראשון, אלא במצוות שבגופו, כגון סדר עבודותיו ואכילת צלי, אבל לא למצוות שאינן בגופו, כגון השפטת שעור, things that are not related to the קורבן itself, like getting rid of חמץ, that's not included in פסח שני. Only things related to the preparation of the קורבן פסח, as she explains, that's what it means, uh, מצוות שבגופו. Okay, mitzvah she'al gufo minayin. How do you know things she'al gufo, that things that are added to it, that come along with it, are also included? Talmud lamar, al matzot amorim yochlu. It says also th- that you eat it with matzan maror, so the way in which you eat it is also uh, the same as Pesach Rishon. So yachol afilu mitzvot she'lo al gufo, maybe you'll say that we should include even mitzvot that don't apply to the Korban Pesach, like you have to get rid of chametz and so on. How do you know that that's not the case? Talmud lamar, ve'etzem lo yishberu bo, because it specifically tells you not to break the bone of the Pesach Sheni. That's a rule of drashot that we make, that if the Torah emphasizes a concept, so we, we use it here, it's using it as an exclusionary thing. In other words, once it tells us, do the Pesach Sheni exactly the same way as you do Pesach Rishon, so we know, do the Pesach Sheni according to the, the same way you do Pesach Rishon. The fact that it comes back and emphasizes, don't break a bone of the Pesach Sheni, tells you that when we talk about law, you can say, well, why do you have to tell me that? I know that I'm, that I'm supposed to do whatever I do with the Pesach Rishon. So why do you have to tell me not to break a bone of the Pesach Sheni? I know I don't break a bone of the Pesach Rishon and I'm applying the same rules. So why do you mention not breaking a bone of Pesach Sheni? The answer is to show you, to emphasize to you that we're only talking about things that relate to the actual Korban itself. We're not talking about things that relate, that are around the Korban, like whether you have chametz in the house or whether you don't have chametz in the house. That's not an issue. The issue is things relating to the Korban itself. And so Rashi explains here. He says, well, I mean, later on it's going to show you, Klalupat is going to learn out the Joshua in more detail. So we'll, we'll get to it later. But Isi ben Yehuda Omer, Ya Asu Oto. Isi ben Yehuda says, no, I don't learn it from the uh, rule of breaking the bone of the Pesach. I will learn it from the Pasuk itself. It says, Ya Asu Oto. Make it, make the Pesach Sheni. Which means that the Torah is relating specifically to things. It says, Oto, it. It's talking about the Korban. You don't need the Pasuk about breaking the bone to show you that we're only concerned about the Korban. We're, it's from the word Oto. Fine. But everyone agrees on the basic idea here. right? Everyone is agree, agreeing in terms of the Halakha that we only care about things that relate to the Korban Pesach. We don't care about things that relate to Pesach, the holiday. right? The holiday is not being observed. So, Amar Mor the Master said, Yecholaf mitzvah shal gufo. So it's funny because the Breitah originally said that the Torah is telling you that you only have to be concerned about laws that relate to the Korban itself. But then it says, maybe you'll say even laws that don't relate to the Korban itself. But ha'amrat b'mitzvah she b'gufo katum edaber. But first you asserted as a fact that we don't care about mitzvot that don't relate to the Korban Pesach itself. So why'd you backtrack and say maybe it would, maybe it would include even mitzvot that are not related to the Korban itself? The answer is, achikamrat, this is what I meant. Hashtad amrat al mitzvot amorim yochluhu. Once we see that you, there is something beyond the Korban itself. What is that? That you have to eat it with Matzan Maror. Matzan Maror is not the Korban itself. That's extra. Right? If we're really just concerned about the Korban, maybe we can leave the Matzan Maror. Maybe that's really part of the holiday of Pesach that you're bringing in here. It's not just a part of the Korban. So you might extend that even further. Alma Yasuot Olav Davka. Right? So you might say that it's not so specific. That it's not so Davka. That uh, you only do things that are related to the korban because look, you have to bring matzah, you have to bring maror. That's not just the korban. <laughs> so how do what? Right. Yeah, but it's adding something to the korban. So how do you know how far to go then? Maybe you also have to clean the house. Maybe you also have to say halal. How do you know? 
So since maybe it's like a case of pratuklal. Pratuklal is you have a specific and a general. And that means that therefore the general rule includes milinami. And then maybe we, maybe it means to include even more. Because first we have uh, general rules about uh, we have general rules about the uh, right? And uh, after it described al matzotim roim yochlohu, and it says al tochalu mimenuna, etc. Right? So it, it, it says uh, it says al matzotim roim yochlohu rather in the pasuk in, in pasuk yud aleph. But then at the end it says kechol chukat pesach yasuoto. Right? So in other words, first it says the details. It says in the second month you should make uh, korban pesach al matzotim roim yochlohu. You should eat it with matzan maror and don't leave over into the morning and don't break the bones. Kikol chukata pesach yasuoto. Maybe that's making it even more general. Maybe it's a generalization, right? And usually pratuklal, the generalization goes beyond. And maybe it's telling you you have to observe like one day of pesach, basically, so to speak, right? So it's saying kamashmalan. That's why it comes to tell you know that from teaching us from shirata etzem, the fact that it specifies particularly not breaking the bone as a an example of a halacha that you observe with regard to Korban Pesach, and it doesn't mention anything about Chametz or anything like that, it shows you that we're only dealing with things that relate to the Korban itself, and Matzan Maror here are considered to be ingredients, so to speak, of the Korban, that go along with Korban, you're making a sandwich of the Korban with the Matzan Maror, right? Isi ben Yehuda hai etze Now the question is, why does Isi ben Yehuda he says you don't need that. He says from the word oto, we already know that only things that relate to the body of the Korban Pesach are relevant. And things that relate beyond that are not relevant. So why, so what does he need the uh, mention? So why is it so I have to mention not to break a bone? Why does that to mention it? So, to teach you an extra chidush, it's an extra pasuk, because we already know you're not supposed to break the, break the bone of the Korban Pesach. In Pesach Rishon, it already told us that. So he's saying this extra mention of that is not really necessary because we would know that all the laws of Pesach apply to it. But by mentioning it twice, it tells you that you're not even allowed to break bones that don't have any marrow in them. Why don't the rabbis, what do the rabbis do with the word? It says, Yasu Oto. Isi ben Yehuda is saying that Yasu Oto emphasizes this, that only the Korban. So what do they need that pasuk for? They say from the f- mere fact that it tells you about Shvirat Etzem, that it tells you about not breaking the bone, it tells you enough. You don't need the, uh, this em- emphasis of Oto. From the fact that it says Ya'asu in the plural, that's what they need from that pasuk. Ya'asu in the plural means one person should not... That we try as much as possible to have... Even a, uh, you never have one person bringing the uh, Pesach Sheni to the point that if a situation emerged that there was only one individual in the entire nation of, uh, and Rashi says, I think here, right, Kigon, it right, says that even if, even if there was only one person that was obligated in Pesach Sheni, we would make another person Tamei at Pesach, at Pesach Rishon so that there would be two people. Right? If there was only going to be one person, we would make another person today. So it wouldn't be only one person bringing it. There would always be at least two people. Right? Yasuoto. Because the Pasuk says you should never have only one person do it because it becomes an individual thing. And once it becomes, it's like, it's sort of like to show that it's not just an individual's korban. It's something more than that. So it has to be at least two people bringing the korban. Right? So that's what they get from the Pasuk Yasuoto. But basically everyone's agreeing on the halachot here. That, that the principle is... So far, everyone's agreeing on the halachot, I should say, that the rule is only things related to the korban, and it happens to be that eating the matzan maror with the korban is a mitzvah related to the korban. 
even on even on today's um, you know Pesach, we, there's a distinction. I mean, even if you know the Rambam says in the time of the Korban Pesach, they would say a different bracha because they would eat the matzah maror together with the Korban Pesach, like the way that we do the the korech. That was the way that they did the mitzvot. But there's two mitzvot in the matzah. One is to eat the Korban Pesach with matzah, and one is to eat the matzah by itself, even if you don't have Korban Pesach, right? So. When it comes to uh, Pesach Sheni, there's only the mitzvah of eating the Korban Pesach, al matzot morim. You eat it with these uh, additions, okay? Now, Tanur Rabbanan, the Rabbi said, Kekoch Ukad Pesach Yesu, Otog Yechol, Kishem Shal Rishon, Asro Babali, Yerobali, Matzeh, Kach Shed Yesu, Babali, Yerobali, Matzeh. You might have thought that just like Pesach Rishon, you're not allowed to own chametz. Maybe that's also true for Pesach Sheni. Talmud Lomar, al matzot morim yochlu. Therefore, the Torah emphasizes you're not, uh, that you have to eat the Korban Pesach Sheni, with Matzan Maror. We'll see what this means in a second. It's going to say from each one of these psukim, we learn something obligatory, something that we have to do with respect to Pesach Sheni, but we also learn something that we don't have to do with Pesach Sheni. So first the Breit is going to lay out what these psukim are, and then it's, the Gemara is going to come back and clarify what the real point is of each one. Okay? Then, Ve'enli ela mitzvot asay. We only know that the mitzvot asay, the positive mitzvot related to Pesach Sheni, to Pesach Rishon rather, also apply to Pesach Sheni, um, such as eating it with Matzan uh, Maror, such as eating it roasted. Okay, those are positive mitzvot. Lota seminine. How do you know that also negative commandments apply? Such as, for example, uh, not eating it uh, partially cooked or other things that are negative commandments that relate to the, the Korban Pesach, that they apply to she- Pesach Sheni too. Because it says, It says not to leave it over until the morning. And not leaving it over until the morning is an example of something you're not supposed to do with Pesach Rishon. You're also not supposed to do with Pesach Sheni. But you know, leaving it over to the morning is a special kind of Lotase. It's what we call Lotase Sheni Taklase. It's a Lotase that you can fix. Because if you did leave it until the morning, you burn it. But maybe other lotas says we don't have that same requirement. So therefore, it says that, um, that therefore, mitzvah lotas say gamur minayin. How do we know that even prohibitions related to Pesach Rishon that don't have a way to fix them, okay? How do we know that those apply to Pesach Sheni Talmud? That's why it says, to show you, you're not allowed to break the bones of the Korban Pesach. <clears throat> so that shows you that all three kinds of mitzvot that, requ- that relate to the body, meaning to the Korban itself, whether they are positive mitzvot, whether they are negative mitzvot that have a correction, or whether they are simply negative commandments that relate to the first Korban Pesach, they all are transferred to the Pesach Sheni. It's a reenactment of the Korban, but it's not a reenactment of the holiday. This is an important thing to understand. Now, there, so now the Gemara is going to unpack this bright and explain what each of the things is. Okay, what, each, what the reference is here. So, what the reference is here. Well, uh, now, so now, we, now it says like this, that, so, mahaprat miforash mitzvat just like the Torah gives one example of a positive mitzvah that relates to the Korban Pesach, eating it with matzan maror, and one that is a negative commandment that can be fixed, which is don't leave it over to the morning, but if you do, you burn it. And one is lotas gamor, it gives one example of something you're simply not allowed to do, which is breaking the bones. Af kol mitzvah taseh, v'lotas enitak taseh, v'lotas gamor. Right? Um, so that's the, uh, that's, this, that's gonna be true. In other words, for all positive mitzvot, negative mitzvot of all kinds that relate to the Korban itself, Pesach Rishon, they're gonna be transferred to Pesach Sheni. Now the Gemara asks, So what do we add? In other words, you're telling me that for each one of these examples, we add something that 
applies to Pesach Rishon, that these are just examples, but really they're telling us to apply all positive mitzvot that relate to the Pesach she- Rishon to the Pesach Sheni. So what additional positive mitzvahs added? That's what it's asking. Bechlalei, the matzot amorim, you told me the pasuk of eating the Pesach Sheni with matzan maror is telling you that anything positive that you're supposed to do with the Pesach Rishon, you're supposed to do with the Pesach Sheni. What does it have in mind? So it says, Tzli'ish, it's coming to tell you that it has to be roasted. That, that It doesn't explicitly say in the Torah that it has to be roasted, but it's telling you from the fact that you have to do whatever positive things you have to do. And Pesach Rishon, you have to do in Pesach Sheni, so that means you have to roast it as well. That's a positive mitzvah. Now, what does it exclude, though? Because you're telling me it both includes and excludes something. What does it exclude? What positive thing do you not have to do that you do have to do by Pesach Rishon, but you don't have to do Pesach Sheni? So, my mam itlei hashbatat seor. It's coming to tell you that you don't have to do the positive mitzvah of... Getting rid of chametz. Getting rid of chametz is actually a positive mitzvah, even though you might think, well, it's a negative mitzvah because I'm getting rid of, but actually the process of getting rid of it, we say a bracha, al biur chametz, because it's a positive mitzvah, right? So therefore he says, that's what you don't have to do. Now, epuch ana, how do you know it's not the opposite? Maybe I should have a mitzvah to get rid of chametz, but I don't have to worry about roasting the korban pesach. Answer is mitzvah de gufayadif, that no, since it relates to the korban itself, it makes more sense that that's what the Torah is trying to get at, that we make the korbanot identical, because that's what the person missed. The person didn't miss Passover the holiday. The person had a seder. The person had matzah. The person had maor. The person abstained from chametz for seven days. He doesn't get a pass for that. He only missed the korban. So that's all we're replaying over here is a korban. Now, we said that the, the pasuk of lo yashir is also coming to include something even more for Pesach Sheni. What is it that you're not allowed to leave over for the korban Pesach, right? What does it come to include? Lo totzi mimenu, because it's also you're not supposed to take out the meat. Lo totzi mina bayit mina basarchutza. It's not really the pasuk is not lo totzi mimenu, but it's, it's okay. It's not exact. But the point is that you're not supposed to remove the pesach meat from its place, right? Now Rashi says, Lava nitak la sehu. Dechzi babayit echad yachel lo totzi, umashma lo totzi leochlo el babayit echad yachel. Right? You're supposed to eat it in one place. Right? We said you're not supposed to take it from one group and go to another group. You're supposed to sit and eat the whole thing in one place. However, Rashi says if you did move out of that area, you have to go back. Okay? He says that according to this, according to this interpretation, right, um, it doesn't become pasul. Because some people say that once you get up and you move to another area... Whatever Korban Pesach you took with you becomes Pasul. He's saying, no, this is holding that you don't, it doesn't become Pasul, but you have to go back to your original area and finish eating. You can't now go eat with a different group, right? With a different group that's eating their Korban Pesach. You can't take your meat and go over there. Fine. So the idea is that it's something that you could, that you, is a lota say, you're not supposed to, let's say there's two groups of people eating Korban Pesach Sheni, two different Pesachim, and you are sitting with your group and you decide you want to go to the other group. You're not allowed to go sit with the other group. Forget about signing up. I'm saying even to go sit, take your meat and go sit with another group, you're not supposed to do that. Right? We learned that even if they separate, the one group separates into two, you're, not, you're supposed to stick with your group. Um, for, even if it's on the same core, but I'm not, you're supposed to sit with, stick with your group. If you got up and went over to the other group, you come back. Okay, you have to come back. So that's something that could be fixed. It, it doesn't explicitly say about Pesach Sheni that you have to eat it, that you have to eat it in one house and it has to be with one group. We're learning that from Pesach Rishon. Now, what does it exclude? 
a negative commandment of not owning chametz. Because, and they say that the reason why it's something that's considered lava nitakla say, it's connected to something positive because if you do find that you have chametz, you have to destroy it. Right? You do something positive, you get rid of it. You found that you had chametz by accident on Pesach, you destroy it. So too, you went with your uh, korban Pesach meat to another group, you have to come back. In other words, it's something correctable. Right? Something that could be corrected. So what's the point? The idea is that we, we say that the rule that you have to eat your Korban Pesach with the original group that you sat with, that applies to Pesach Sheni as well. But the rule that you have to get rid of Chametz or not own Chametz doesn't apply. Epuchana, we skipped always the soft parentheses, the rounded parentheses we skipped. Epuchana, why don't I switch it around and say, no, you do have to get rid of Chametz. You do have to get rid of chametz. The only thing is, and you don't have to worry about whether you have Pesach Sheni in one group or two groups. Answer is again, mitzvah de gufei adif. Since it relates to the korban itself, the moving of the meat of the korban, that is more likely to be the thing the Torah is including because the whole point here of the Torah is that the korban is supposed to be the same. Now our third example, the next example the Torah gives is don't break any bones in the korban Pesach. <clears throat> what is it coming to include? It's coming to tell you, even though it doesn't explicitly say in the Torah that you're not allowed to eat Pesach Sheni when it's partially cooked, it's coming to tell you that just like you're not allowed to break the bone, you're also not allowed to eat it in a state that you would not allowed to be you would not be allowed to eat Pesach Rishon, right? What's excluded from the pasuk of Ve'etzem Lo Yishbirubo? Lo Tishchat Al Chametz Dam Zivchi. You don't have to divest yourself of all of your chametz before you slaughter the Korban Pesach Sheni. Pesach Rishon, you're not allowed to slaughter it when you own the chametz, right? Or if the Kohen is doing the Avodah owns the chametz, he's not allowed to, right? We learned about that already. Not allowed to own chametz at the time the Korban Pesach being brought. So the uh, so that doesn't apply to Pesach Sheni, of course, right? Again, why can't I switch it around and say that the rule about not owning chametz is really the main thing? And how you eat it, whether you eat it uh, partially cooked or not, or raw, or whatever, isn't an issue. Answer is, mitzvah dugufei adif, same answer each time. Basically, the point is that we're, we're saying that, there is, that everything, we expand the category of mitzvot shebegufa korban. Anything that relates to the korban itself, we expand that category, including where you can move the meat, where you can't move the meat, how you prepare the meat, and so on. All of these things, we expand the category. What you eat with the meat, we expand the category. When it comes with... When it comes to anything related to the person and their relationship to chametz, we don't expand the category. We say that that is not a part of Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni has nothing to do with prohibition of chametz. Now, if we said, first Pesach, we say halil at the table, right? We say it on the, Friday, on the night of Pesach. Where do we get this? It said because of a pasuk that is to in Yeshayahu that's talking about the redemption. Very famous pasuk. It became such a famous pasuk basically because of these marot that quoted all the time about Kelelit uh, Kadesh Chag. That it says that you'll be singing at the time of the redemption like the night that is sanctified as a holiday. Kelelit Kadesh Chag. So they say that that shows you that there's a night of the year that you say Halel. Now, what are we, we also, that's also the reason why the only nights that we ever say Halil in, in Kenisa, also in the synagogue, we say Halil only the nights of Pesach because of this. Kalil hit Kaddish Chag, that's where it gets it from. It's the night that was sanctified for holiday. The Hashir, this song will be Lachem, this will be a song for you like the night of the holiday. What holiday? Holiday of Pesach, right? So that's where they get the idea that you say Halil at the night of Pesach. Right? But what does that show you? Rashi says, 
saying that's what the, the Navi is saying. The way that you sing on the night of Pesach, that's how you're going to sing in the times of the redemption. Right? That is the, that's the Pasuk that they learn that you say Hallel at the night time of Pesach. We say it in Kanisa, we say it also in the, at the table. The only time we say Hallel at night. Right? We learn it from that Pasuk. But what does that show you, that Pasuk? It shows you Hit Kadesh Chag. That when do we say Hallel? That only at night time, which is a holiday, we have Hallel at night. But But if the night time is not a holiday, we don't say Hallel at night. So meaning to say, you're eating the Korbat, the Pesach Sheni at night also, just like you eat the Pesach Rishon at night. You slaughter it in the afternoon, you eat it at night. It's not a holiday though. So how can you say Hallel on the eating of the Korban Pesach if it's not a holiday? Right? So that wouldn't work. You can't say Hallel at night in your house as you're eating Korban Pesach when it's not a holiday because that idea of saying Hallel at night is only on a holiday and that holiday is only Pesach. Pesach Sheni is not really a holiday from this perspective. It's just a day that we bring Korban. However, when they offer the Korban, they do say Hallel. So that seems like a little bit incongruous because why is it that when they offer the Korban, they would say Hallel, but when they, uh, when they eat it, they wouldn't say it. So it says, There's two possibilities. Because, because one possibility is that Pasuk that we just read that said, that that Hallel at nighttime is only when it's a holiday, when it says Chag, a nighttime Hallel. But a daytime Hallel related to Pesach, the Korban Pesach offering is, of course, even if Pesach Sheni has to be during the day, right? That you do have Hallel. Vibaytema, alternatively, Afshar Yisrael Shochatin. It sounds like, the, this sounds like the, the old question about why Yaakov Avinu, how do you know Yaakov Avinu wore a kippah? Right? When it says, Vayetze Yaakov Avinu, how do you know that he wore a kippah? Because could you imagine Yaakov Avinu went out without a kippah? Right? That's, that's of course, right? So it says, Is it possible that the Jewish people would bring a Korban Pesach or bring a Lulav meaning that not that there's an obligation on the day to say Hallel, but the mitzvah requires a Hallel. It's saying that the mitzvah, bringing Korban Pesach, requires Hallel. So there's two kinds of Hallel. There's Hallel related to a day of celebration, and then there's a Hallel that enhances a mitzvah. That's enhancing a mitzvah that you're doing. It's not really related to the day, but it's related to the mitzvah. And when you're shaking the lulav without express, the whole idea of the lulav is celebration. You're celebrating with the, with, with the lulav. You have to have halil. When you're bringing the korban pesach, it's the simcha of ifdu et Hashem besimcha. You have to say halil. That's different than when you're eating the korban pesach. Since it's not a holiday, there's no requirement of saying halil for the eating of pesach sheni, but eating of pesach rishon because it's the holiday. So we do say, Right, we also eat it when it is roasted. So Shabbat, so and also it's Doche Shabbat, right? So there were the two things: we eat it roasted, and it's it's Doche Shabbat. So if Pesach Sheni falls out on Shabbat, the people have to bring Pesach Sheni; they slaughter it on Shabbat. Now the thing is. That, that means Shabbat in Tumalo. It overrides Shabbat, but not Tum'ah. So meaning that the question that you had asked a, a day or two ago, uh, Mr. Levy, you had asked, is what happens to a person who is Tamei on first Pesach and then he's Tamei on second Pesach, right? So this Mishnah is saying it only overrides Shabbat, but it doesn't override Tum'ah. So if the person's Tamei the second time around too, he loses according to this. But we're going to see not everybody agrees, but that's what the consen- that's what the consensus is. That's what most agree, right? So it says, Shabbat in Tumalo, matnitin This is contradictory to Rabbi Yudah. The Tanah will end in a bright it only pushes off Shabbat, but not Tumah. He says, no, it does override the Tumah. And I guess the logic could be, I'm just kind of making this up, but I could understand the logic behind it, because it's like, look, he missed out on the first Pesach because of Tumah. Now again, he's going to miss out on the second Pesach because of Tumah, then what's the point? 
Right? You know, Rabbi Yehuda could argue something like that. So then what's the point? You didn't accomplish anything. Right? The Chachamim are saying he gets another chance and if he's Tamei the second time, he, just, he moves till next year. That's all. Right? So my time, the Tanakhama, the Tanakhama says, In other words, he's, the, the Tanakhama is saying it's illogical. He missed the first Korban Pesach because he was Tamei. Now the second time you're going to say, ah, okay, just bring it Betumah. So then why did he miss the first one? Just let him do the first one. That's their argument. Their argument is if you pushed him off from the first one because of Tumah, how can you now let him do it because of Tumah when he's in a state of Tumah? It doesn't make sense. Rabbi Yudah says that Rabbi Yudah is saying that Torah is giving him another chance to do it. In other words, the Torah is giving him another chance. But at the end of the day, according to Rabbi Yudah's idea, is that nobody should miss out on Korban Pesach the whole year because of Tum'ah. So the first time the Torah said, okay, bring it, you can't bring it on the first Pesach because you're Tamei. Second Pesach, hopefully you'll be able to bring it B'Tawrah. If you're not able to bring it B'Tawrah, okay, so bring it B'Tum'ah. We just don't want you to miss it for the year. We, we waited another month to see if you would be Tahor the second time. You weren't, okay, bring it the second time. So Rabbi Yehuda says that the person can actually eat it B'Tum'ah so he will never miss a Korban Pesach for the whole year. According to Rabbi Yehuda, Tanu Rabbanan, the Rabbi said, "Pesach dochin et Shabbat, Pesach sheni dochet Shabbat." Did I skip something? No, right? Pesach rishon. Oh, I didn't say the word rishon. Pesach rishon dochet Shabbat, Pesach sheni dochet Shabbat. They both override Shabbat. Pesach rishon dochet Tumah, Pesach sheni dochet Tumah. Right? This is obviously going with Rabbi Yehuda, right? Pesach rishon ta'un lina. Lina is a rule that if a person brings a, pe- a korban, it really re- applies to all korbanot actually, not just Pesach. But if a person brings a korban in Yerushalayim, he's required to stay the night over. That's a, when a person comes as a uh, pilgrim, so to speak, to Yerushalayim, he's not allowed to just offer his korban and leave. He always has to stay overnight. That's the rule. It's called lina. So it says, Pesach Rishon to'un lina. Pesach Shani to'un lina. Same thing for Pesach Shani. If you bring Pesach Shani, obviously it's in Jerusalem. You have to eat it in Yerushalayim. You have to stay over till the next morning. Even though it's not a holiday, you don't leave in the morning. You stay, um, you stay over to the, uh, to the following day. Now in the case of, in the case, uh, of course, after we're saying after you brought after you brought the korban, you have to say a day, okay. right? So, it, so in the case of Pesach Rishon, it's obvious because it's a chag. What are you going to do? You can't travel, right? But uh, it seems obvious, so you wait till first day in that case. But here, not a holiday. I brought my korban. Saying no, it needs lina. Also, you have to stay over. So then the Gemara asks, so what does that seem to say? It says, Pesach Sheni, Ta'un Lina, right? So it says, and it says, Docheta Tumakiman. Who is the one who says it overrides Tumak? Rabbi Yehuda, obviously it's Rabbi Yehuda, right? Rabbi Yehuda, Ta'un Lina, is it really true that Rabbi Yehuda requires a person to stay overnight after brings, after brings Korban Pesach Sheni? Fatani Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Minah Pesach Sheni, Shein Ta'un Lina. He explicitly said that you don't have to stay overnight if you bring Pesach Sheni. Shenema, Ufanita, Baboga, Valachtalu Alecha. Uchtiv, Sheshit, Mimtochal Matzot. Because it says, when it talks about Pesach Rishon, it says, get up in the morning and go home. And it's not talking about get up in the morning of, Pes- of, of Yom Tov. It's talking about the following day, right? So he says, so, and then it says, Sheshet Yamim Tochal Matzot. For six days you eat Matzah. Hanechal Shisha Ta'un Only the type of Korban Pesach where you have a Matzah that's eaten for six days. After the after the original day, do you stay over? But she nechal shisha ain't only now. So it says, but but the, according to that version, according to that bright he says that you don't have to stay over. So it says There are two opinions according to Rabbi Yehuda. One one of his students thought that he was of the opinion that that only Pesach Rishon requires you to stay overnight for uh, bringing the korban, and 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 not Pesach Sheni. And others said no, Pesach Sheni also. Of course, the question becomes. 
Um, and, and the Rishonim discuss, and they ask the question of why is it that this should be any different than any other Korban? Because actually it's not a halacha specific to Pesach, you know, Korban Pesach. It's a, it's a halacha of uh, all Korbanot, that if a person comes to Yerushalayim, bring Korban, he's supposed to stay over, overnight. So why is it that this would be an exception to the rule and, and you wouldn't have to stay overnight? It's a good question. In Korban yeah. You could, but not Pesach, not Korban Pesach, because you have to eat it. Eat so how are you going to eat it if you're not in Yerushalayim? You have to be there. Uh, it can only be eaten in Yerushalayim. Maybe the Shaliach does, but you wouldn't if you're not there. But in a Korb, in this case, since you have to eat it, you have to go. You know. Anyway, the Mishnah says the Pesach sheba betumah lo yochlu v'menutzavim v'zavod v'nidot v'yolodot. If you have a Pesach, even though Pesach Rishon could sometimes come betumah, we know if the majority of the people are tamei, so you bring it betumah. But that's only tumat mit, according to the Rambam, and according to others, it's tumat mit and tumat maga, types of tumah that you touch that are from outside, something you touch, like a sheretz or something like that, that you can have the majority of the community be tamei and they will eat the korban Pesach betumah. But that doesn't mean zavin v'zavod nidot v'yolodot. People that have a tumah that comes from their body, like like a zav, a zava, a nida, a yoledet, somebody who gave birth, right? Shachlu b'pezach, sheba b'tumah, yechoyu chayavin. I'm sorry, I skipped down to the Bugamara, sorry. So it says, ve'imachlu, b'turin mikaret. If they ate it, they're patu from karet. In other words, since the korban's already being eaten b'tumah by the people who are allowed to eat b'tumah, if they came and ate b'tumah, it wouldn't be violating the sanctity of the korban. Because the korban is already being eaten b'tumah, so we can't really say that they're the ones making it tamay. Right, that's the idea. But they're not supposed to eat from it. But if they did, they're not going to get karet for eating it. Betumah. Rabbi Eliezer, Poteraf will be at the Mikdash. He says, even if the Tamei people come into the Bet Mikdash on that day, right, the people who are bringing the Korban Pesach, of course, could come in. But even if the Zavim and the Zavot come into the Bet Mikdash on that day, since there are Tamei people coming in the Bet Mikdash, how can you say we're defiling the Bet Mikdash by coming in? How can you say we get karet for coming in Bet Mikdash when there's all these other Tamei people coming in anyway? True, they're not really supposed to come in because they're not allowed to bring Korban Pesach, the Zav and the Zavan and everything. But how can you say we're defiling? So this bright is clarifying what says in the Mishnah. You might think that the Nidot and the Yoldot, the people who are Tameh from bodily Tum'ah, they come and eat from the Pesach that is being brought Bitumah anyway. Maybe you'll think they're liable since they're not really allowed to eat the Pesach even uh, even though it's being brought Bitumah. Talmud Lomar, Kol Taor Yochal Basar, Vanevish Yochal Basar, Muzevachashalam Yoshel Hashem, Bitumah Tualav, because it says, uh, all pure people can eat from the meat of korbanot, and the person who eats from a zevach hashelamim hashelashem from a korban that belongs to us that was devoted to Hashem betumatola v'nistamei v'nichreta. The, and then, then he's going to be cut off. In other words, it says a tahor person should eat a korban. If a tamei person eats it, he's going to get karet. What does that show you? What does that show you? That's saying in general. Saying about korbanot in general. What does it show you? That nechal chayavim alav mishum tamei. Only a korban that's being eaten by tahor people. Does it matter if you're tamei v'sheinon But if it's not anyway being eaten only by tahor people, right? That means that not that they're allowed to, but if they did, you can't say they're defiling the korban. It's being eaten betumah. Okay, so they couldn't, wouldn't get karet for it. Now, Rabbi Eliezer, you have a day that all these Tamei people are coming into the Bet HaMikdash anyway because they're bringing the Korban Betum'ah, Pesach Betum'ah, and some Zavim and Zavot come in there. So you might say they're going to be liable for Biat Mikdash. You also get Karet for coming into the Bet HaMikdash in a state of Tum'ah. So Talmud Lomar, Vishalachumina Machanek Koltzorov, Choltav, Choltamela Navish. It says you have to send out of the camp all the Mitzoraim and all the Zavim and all the people who are Tamei from a dead body. Bizman Shet Tamei Metim Mishtalchim. 
Well, it's a package deal. When you're sending out the people who are tamei from the dead body, you send out everybody else. In other words, same concept. You can't say we're defined. What does it say? It says if a person goes in the Beit HaMikdash, at Mikdash Hashem Timei. Right? He's defiling the Mikdash. How could you say that when all these tamei people are coming in on that day? Right? So there's no a, Right, no discrimination. That's what Rabbi Yosef says. By Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, Let's say these Tmei Metim were allowed to come in to bring their Koban. They go into the Hechal. They say, you know what? We're in here anyway, violating the rules. Let's just go look inside. Not the Kodesh HaKodesh, but like, let's go to the Kodesh. See, you know, what's the difference? Yeah. Breaking the rules already, right? Yeah. Right, we have, the, we have people invading, right? The horns guy, whatever. Right? So so what so we'll say okay once they're in already and we're breaking the rules so they go on the chal also or do we say no Odilma they don't have to go in there to do korban pesach they don't have to go into the hechal to do korban pesach so you don't give them a break on that one only on coming into the azara according to Rabbi Gilead what it means is we send them out meaning we send them out. Rashi says, Even though they're not sent out of everything, they're still sent out of the part that they don't need to go into. They don't know, need to go into the Hechal. So they're still going to be liable for going in there according to the first version of Rava. Right? So that's it. However, some say, these two psukim send them out from the machane and then it repeats and it says machane send them out from the camp in other words when when you're going to send them completely out of the Bet HaMikdash then the rule applies that they have to be sent out right in other words that once you're saying that they don't have to be outside None of the rules apply. So there's two versions. There's a version of Ravah that says that we only give them a leniency insofar as what they need for the Korban Pesach, which is to come into the courtyard, not to go in the Echal. The other one is, you know what? Once the rules are suspended, the rules are suspended and they wouldn't be liable. That doesn't mean they're supposed to or allowed to go in there. It just means they won't be liable to karet for going in there because once the rules are being suspended, the rules are being suspended. Now he asked another question. They said, you know what? This is like, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, a total free-for-all here. We're coming in, we're Tamei, whatever. And they say, let's just take a piece of the, uh, of the flesh of the Korban, of the, in- the inner parts of the Korban that goes on the Mizbeach, and eat that too while we're Betum'ah. You know, whatever, hey. You know, anything goes. So, right, so it says, Will we say that they're liable for eating the Emurin Betum'ah? Because they're not supposed to eat the Emurin. And, you, and if you eat the parts of the korban that go on the mizbeach betumah, it's also an alotasa, even though you're not supposed to eat it at all. If you eat it normally betumah, you're going to be liable. Or do we say, So do we say once the rules of tumah are being suspended for this korban, even if they eat something they're not supposed to eat, they're not going to be liable for eating it betumah. Or do we say no? Only insofar as the mitzvah of eating the korban pesach is concerned, we give them that, 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 that leniency. But other things, no. So Rava says, where do we learn the idea that you're not allowed to eat the emurin in a state of tum'ah from the case of the meat? Because really you're not supposed to eat emurin at all. That's supposed to go on the mezbeach. Right? Because it says a korban that belongs to a ship. Meaning, even if you ate the parts you're not supposed to eat at all, and you ate them betum'ah, you'd be liable. In other words, the idea is that what is the con- there's no prohibition specifically on eating the emurin in a state of tumah because you're not supposed to eat those emurin anyway. 
Right. You're not supposed to eat the meat. And so the, the Chachamim learned that just like you're not supposed to eat the meat in a state of Tum'ah, that would apply to anything that you eat from the Korban B'Tum'ah, even the things you're not supposed to eat. But if you're already allowed to eat meat in the state of Tum'ah, we're not going to give you that prohibition or that karet for eating the Emorin in a state of Tum'ah because the whole concept of not eating the Emorin in a state of Tum'ah was only because of the meat anyway. Okay? The, again, it doesn't mean you're supposed to or allowed to do it. It just means you won't get karet for doing it. Now, by Rabbi Zerah, Rabbi Zerah asked a question. Very practical question. The kind of question that they used to ask when you were, in, when you were a kid in yeshiva, you know? Asking about the history. What did they do in the olden days? Not really about now. Right? Pesach, Pesach Mitzrayim, right? The Emorim, the parts of the Korban, Hecha Akterinu. Where did they burn them? Because they didn't have a Mizbeach, right? They had the blood, they had the Korban. What did they do with the inner parts that you normally put on the Mizbeach? What do with that? Right? How do you know they didn't roast those also and eat them? Right? How do you know that they, uh, that, that they burnt them at all? Right? She says, Basar, Tzali. Right? He says, they, they, they just made a shish kebab out of it, basically. He said, well, how do you know they didn't do that? Because they didn't have any rule of not eating those parts of the animal when they were in Mitzrayim. Right, that he said that there were three mizbachot there. There was the two doorposts of the uh, of the house and the mashkof, the top part of the house. In other words, they, where they put the blood, okay. they put the blood. They put on the upper part, the lintel of the uh, door, and on the two doorposts. And that was the mizbeach that they had. Meaning, they put the blood on it. That was the only mizbeach that they had for this korban. What does that mean? There was no other thing. In other words, that since they didn't have a Mizbeach, their door was the Mizbeach, and it was only for the blood. Everything else in the Korban, they were allowed to eat, including the parts that nowadays go on the Mizbeach. So the idea was that even though in Pesach Dorot, the, the eternal Pesach, the Emorin going on the, on the Mizbeach is part of the Avodah, so you can't envision... They, they couldn't envision how could you have a Korban Pesach without that, but in Mitzrayim they didn't have that yet. They didn't have the institution of Mizbeach. They only had the blood on the doors. So therefore they didn't have that part and they probably ate it as part of a, as a shish kebab like everything else uh, because they didn't have the mitzvot of separating those parts of the animal out yet. Uh, interesting uh, 